Welcome to our live stream. So good to have you here with us today. And as I say every time, and I will until uh, we all gather together, I just miss you. And so it's exciting to dive into God's Word and tell your friends. We're noticing that a lot of folks are uh, they're logging on about 10 minutes late. Well, we don't have a song service. We don't have a bunch of announcements. And so they're missing the whole beginning of the message. So uh, talk to your friends, text out, tell them to be on time for our live stream. Man, it's so good to see you all together. And it's fun. We've had over a thousand views of last week's. Just last Wednesday night's Bible study has more than 500 views. It's amazing to see what this technology does. And I'm just excited to see where it's going to go. So now let's focus in on God's word. Open your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and then get Isaiah chapter 52. Hebrews 11 and Isaiah chapter 52. We need to be in prayer for our loved ones around the world and uh, especially the senior citizens. We need to make sure that they are being cared for. We need to pray for our leaders and all that's going on in the world. Can you imagine? And I know all of us are ready for this economy to launch again. Can you imagine what it's going to be like trying to get a, a table at a restaurant when we can all finally go out? We're looking forward to that time. But in the meantime, enjoy your family. Enjoy this time together. Read a book. Uh, grow in some area of your life as we are all quarantined together. And uh, I am enjoying this time with my family, and I hope that you are too. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll dive in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to gather around it. And Lord, I pray now that as we, as we look into this, this perfect word of God, as we look into this uh, supernatural truth that we're going to look at today, that it becomes more than a sermon and that it becomes something that is very special as we believe what you have said. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will empower this time as we preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. My message today is faith in dark times. Faith in dark times. So what is faith? We read this verse on Wednesday night, and I want to spend some more time here today. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, of course, some of the modern translations change the way that reads, and it really does lose a lot of its power. Notice what it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We're not just, we're, we are not just exercising faith for faith's sake. We're not just exercising faith in nothing. This is not a blind leap into the dark. You know, that's that, that existentialism that really became popular a couple of centuries ago. We're, we're not following any kind of a, a, a dialectic or anything like that in our faith. We have faith in God. We ha there is a substance to our faith, and then there is also evidence that comes from it. Notice what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the evidence of things not seen. And all of us who have had faith in God and who have practiced faith in our lives, we have that evidence in our lives, that, that evidence that what we had placed our faith in is something that may, can be trusted. And of course, everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. Uh, John Phillips said it this way, the Muslim puts his faith in the Quran and in Muhammad. 
The idolater puts his faith in his graven images. The humanist puts his faith in himself. The philosopher puts his faith in his own ideas. The materialist puts his faith in his money. And the religionist puts his faith in his own good works. None of these can save because the object of faith in each case is wrong. Saving faith is faith that rests upon Christ. The Holy Spirit, having brought enlightenment to the soul, insists that we personally put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. He and he alone can save. As Peter bluntly told the members of the Sanhedrin, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. I love this list. Everyone puts faith in something. The atheist, what does the atheist put his faith in? The atheist puts his faith in his own rationality, maybe in his physics, maybe in in his ideas of the world, maybe in his philosophy. But the object of that faith is not saving faith. It cannot save. There's a story Phillips tells in his commentary of a young man running across a college campus. And somebody slowed him down and said, why are you in such a hurry? He said, I just bought a physics book and I want to get to class before it's out of date. And that's exactly the way that the world is. They put their faith in things that are constantly changing. Imagine if you had believed what Darwin wrote. Well, nothing that Darwin wrote as far as this great grand scheme is true. Yeah, finches have different sized beaks. Why is that? Why do finches have different sized beaks? Because the kinds of seeds they were eating, the ones that couldn't couldn't eat those seeds, they died. The ones that that had the bigger beaks, they lived. That's not changing. That, that did not come from a zebra. You see, all of these ideas that people hold to, these philosophies that people have faith in, they ultimately fail. They ultimately fail. And saving faith must have an object that can save, and that object is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting. No, let's, let's read on in this text, and I want, to, I want you to notice some things that I think are going to be very helpful for us during this time. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look at verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Who are these elders? Well, they're going to go on and list them. The the writer, probably Paul, but definitely the Holy Spirit, is going to go on and list these people who had faith. And what this book is doing is it's telling these Hebrew believers not to go back to that which is seen, which would be the temple, the sacrifices, that religious system that can all be seen, Not to go back to that, but to believe in what those objects represented. They were shadows of reality. The reality is the true temple that's in heaven. That's what Hebrews says. The reality is the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus is better than the the sacrifices. He's better than the Levitical priesthood. He's better than the temple. He's better than the angels. Jesus is better than all of that. And so what these Hebrew believers are being encouraged to do is to go Pat, go, not go back, but to move on and, and go ahead in their faith. And so it says that through faith, or I'm sorry, verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Now look at verse 3. This is so interesting. And I want to start walking around right now because I, 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 want, I want us to think about this. Through faith, we, what's that word? Understand. It's interesting that understanding, it comes by faith. Through faith, we understand. And what do we understand? That the worlds, and I love that, the worlds. So 
I don't know that at the time that, that the writer penned these words, I don't think people understood the worlds that were outside of our world. And yet notice what it says. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds were framed by the word of God. And who is that word? We quote the passage all the time. John 1, in the beginning was the word. The worlds were framed by the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. That word of God, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3 again. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I forgot to introduce our help today. We got Justin back there running everything, putting all this together. And Jacob is still here for moral support. He said, to, he said to me this morning, why do I need to come? We just, just in case, we need you there. So I'm glad Jacob's back there. Our sound system went out and Scott Huffman is caring for all of that. So Michael's not here with us today, but uh, I'm glad that Justin and Jacob are back there. All right, so b- back to our previously scheduled programming. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I love that word, framed, framed. There is a structure, there's a frame to the world, and it was established by God. And all of astronomy, all of these studies, physics, all of these things, all they're doing is they're learning about the frame. They're learning about the substance. They're learning about the structure. Do you know what they're finding? They're finding evidence for the framing by the Word of God. What a wonderful thing that is. Here's another thing that's interesting. If you look at verse 3, through faith we understand. You see, a a naturalistic physicist who does not believe in God, he can understand the evidence. I'm sorry, he he can appreciate and understand the evidence, but he doesn't know what it means. Remember, science can tell us is, but not ought. A philosopher might be able to tell us ought. A scientist cannot tell us. They can tell us what is, but they can't tell us what's ought. A physicist can tell us what is, but not an ought. Why, do, why should we live a certain way because of the information that you have discovered? And that's where that biblical understanding comes in. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So what we see, it's all made out of nothing. And, you know, the, the, the Latin term ex nihilo, out of nothing. It all happened out of nothing. We understand that. And that's what science actually understands. Everyone understands this now, if they're rational. But what's fun is that this was written. This was written 2,000 years ago, 1,900 years ago, 1,950 years ago. That's when this was written, out of nothing, that God created everything that is out of nothing. And so I want you to understand something. Drop down with me to verse 6. But without faith... Is it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, first of all, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Remember what we said at the beginning, that faith has to have an object. And in order to be saving faith, it has to have faith in an object that can save. And the foundation of saving faith is believing that God is. Is that what the text says? Look at verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He must believe that he is. It's interesting, John Phillips pointed this out, and and I I really enjoy this thought, 
that what the writer of Hebrews was trying to get these Hebrew believers to believe in is something new. Something new. See, they didn't know who Jesus Christ was until they believed in him, until he was represented, until Jesus Christ came into the world. For these Jews, this was something new. This, this Messiah was a different Messiah than what they had been expecting. And you know they'd been expecting a military leader that would take them out from under the yoke of Rome and, and would establish a throne that would last forever. See, they, mis, they misinterpreted the way that Jesus Christ was going to come. So they had to believe something new. Look at what Philip said. The writer of Hebrews thus turns his attention to the whole question of faith and presents his readers with a significant sampling of Old Testament people who believed God when faced with something entirely new. Enoch, so look at verse, uh, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So remember, Abel's sacrifice had blood, and Cain's sacrifice didn't. And so... Abel's sacrifice and Abel were accepted. Cain's sacrifice was not accepted, and so Cain was not accepted. And the Bible in Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are accepted in the Beloved. How are we accepted? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just as Abel's sacrifice was accepted through the blood of those offerings that all pointed to Jesus. Verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Enoch was translated that he should not see death. So Enoch was taken from one place to another. That's what translate means. When you translate scripture, you take it from one language, you, you, you pick it up from one language, and you drop it into another language. That's what translation is. Enoch was translated from one world to another world. And I would say that the new world that he was translated into was an improvement. I think that you all would agree with that. But notice, let me go back to what uh, Phillips wrote. He said... Uh, it's a sampling of Old Testament people who believed God when faced with something entirely new. Enoch had never seen anyone translated. Noah had never known of a universal flood. Abraham had never seen the promised land. Each believer exercised personal faith in God. And so that's what we're seeing here is faith in the midst of being presented with something new. Enoch wouldn't have understood being translated. Noah, imagine, you've got this worldwide flood, a global flood that's going to happen. Uh, the way we understand it is we don't even know if it had rained before that point. This is something completely new that he had to understand. And even Abraham, go to a land that you know not of, and I'll make of you a great nation. He's an old man. By the time all this happened, he was an old man. He had to have faith in something when he was presented with something completely new. Folks, you and I are being presented with something completely new right now. This unemployment rate, it's the highest in the history of the United States. It's something completely new. The, what's going to happen with the economy? We're being faced with something new. This idea of all of us having to stay in our houses, that's something that's completely new. All the restaurants being shut down, that's something that's completely new. Having to trust government, having to trust government completely, that's something completely new for an American. It's completely new. Now... Who should we have faith in? Should we have faith in government? Should we have faith in the models that, you're using to that they're using to project what's going to happen? But I don't think so. What, why should we have ultimate faith in government? Why should we have ultimate faith in, in uh, these, these models that they're using to predict what's going to happen with the coronavirus when none of the modeling has proven to be true? Why should we believe in that? What should we be believing in this time? We should have faith. We need to believe in God, and we need to believe in God's Word. And what does God's Word tell us to do? Submit to those that are in authority. See, let's say 
that it was a mistake to shut down the whole economy. Let's say that, that there was a better way to do it than what has been done. What can you and I do about that? Nothing. Nothing. We have represented, we have representative government. We have elected people. They are making decisions. So what are we supposed to do? Believe God. Believe God. Because ultimately, the worst outcome for the world is the best outcome for us. We get to go see Jesus. In this time of darkness, in this time of economic uncertainty, this is something new for us. I think back to when I went to college in 1981. Of course, that was in the middle of a, of a terrible recession. Unemployment, terrible. I remember trying to, I'm, I'm trying to go to Bible college. I had to pay my own way through school. So I had to go to school and I had to work. I started at one end of the business district and walked mile after mile after mile, putting in applications at every spot. If it was an auto parts store, if it was a restaurant, if it was a factory, if it was some, any other kind of business, I put in applications everywhere. No one hired me. There were no jobs to be had for an 18-year-old kid with no experience. I ended up working in a pallet factory that was the scariest place you've ever seen. I'll have to tell you all about it sometime. It was horrible. But it was a job. I had to have that job. And I can't remember. I think I was making three bucks an hour or something like that. This is worse than that. Right now, what we're facing is worse than what we were facing in 1981, 1982. So what are we going to do? Are we going to lose faith? Are we going to become worried? What will worry accomplish at a time like this? We need to have faith. But our faith has to have an object. And that object has to be God's unchanging word. Look at what it says in verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. By the Word of God. And in another message, I'm going to show you how the Bible... Remember, the verse we quote all the time, John 6, 63, The flesh profiteth nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the Word of God is, giving the, is given the characteristics of or the attributes of God. The Bible is given the attributes of God. So we know it was Jesus Christ that spoke the world into existence, but the Bible says it was framed by the Word of God. Jesus is called the Word, but here it says the Word of God. What do we need to have faith in at this time? The Lord Jesus Christ and the written Word of God. Because the Word of God, the Bible that you hold in your hands, is the physical manifestation of the mind of God. We are holding and reading and studying right now the mind of God. That's what the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? By having the Word of God. Hold your place in Hebrews 11. Go with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 50. I said 52 a minute ago. I'm sorry. It's Isaiah chapter 50. Look at verse 10. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? All right, so do you fear God and do you obey, obey the voice of God's servant? Now, that's talking about the servant who's writing the word of God here, okay? Who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant? Look at this. That walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. <laughs> so are we walking in darkness right now? Uh, to a certain extent, we really are. Now, now, let me just stop for a second. What a wonderful darkness. We have our homes. We have heat. Most of us have television. Most of us have internet. 
Most of us have, have all kinds of entertainment that can come in. I'm using this time to, to just learn so much. I'm reading and I'm watching documentaries. And I watched a documentary about uh, is Genesis history. If you haven't seen that one, you really need to watch it. It was fantastic. I watched another one on the Exodus and, and is there biblical proof for the Exodus. And I'm just enjoying learning so much right now. I'm trying to learn my Logos Bible software. It's this huge software program I have that you almost have to have a PhD to learn how to use. So I'm trying to take this time to learn how to use that software. So yeah, it's a time of darkness, but what a comfortable darkness for most of us. Man, if you don't have enough money to buy your food, that's not comfortable. I'm not talking about that. But for those of us who are just on hold right now, it's a pretty comfortable darkness. But notice what this says. Who is among you that feareth the Lord? Man, I do fear God and obeyeth the voice of his servant. That's my desire that walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. What should we do? Stand. Stand. It's interesting. One of the big mistakes that we all make is we react. We react. I watch theologians react. Someone will look at easy believism, that it's too easy to believe, and they react by making salvation really difficult. How about we just stand on the gospel? We're not called to react. We're called to stand. As believers, we're supposed to stand on God's word. We're supposed to have faith in him, and we have faith in God. I want you to think about this. Isaiah, when Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10 was written, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have Hebrews. They didn't have any of that. And they were still told to stand on God. We have better evidence to stand on than even the Old Testament saints did. So what should we do? Let's stand. In this time when there is no darkness, look at what it says. Middle of the verse, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. What an amazing passage. Go back to Hebrews 11, and I want you to think about something. Look at verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So we have a worldview. Our worldview says that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That, that's what the Bible says. Uh, Genesis 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. You know what's interesting? There's so many interesting things about this. When you look at, at the earth in relation to the sun, one of the attacks on Scripture is how can you have light before you have the sun? Well, because God is light. God said light be, and light was. And God created the, the light. God put light into the world before he created the instruments of light. Before the sun, moon, and stars, God had cre created light. He had introduced that into the world. And it's interesting, when we started learning about uh, astronomy and all of those things, we found out that the earth revolves around the sun, but it doesn't do it in a circle. It does it in an ellipsis. Why is that? Because the, the earth is tilted on its axis, and it goes around in an ellipsis. It's not, a, it's not a, a perfect circle. And do you know how far off that ellipsis is? Four days. Four days of rotation. What happened? The earth was in the sky before the sun was. When the sun was created and that gravitational force happened and the, sun, the earth started revolving around the sun, it's four days off. 
<laughs> it's four days off. You can't make that up. Now, is it just a coincidence that God set the world in motion and then four days later he creates the sun and the earth is four days off in its rotation around the sun? Let me just tell you, we understand that God created the world out of nothing and set it in motion. Just that one picture helps us to understand that we have a worldview that explains why we're here. You see, we not only have an understanding of the is, but we also have an understanding of the ought. God created the world, and he said there are some things that we ought to do. We ought to have faith in him, we ought to worship him, and we ought to walk as he has told us to walk. And that's what's demonstrated by these people that are represented or described and told, uh, that we're told about in Hebrews chapter 11. But we have an understanding of the world. We have a worldview that helps us to explain what's going on. And we know that for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. You see, our biblical worldview of those first 11 chapters of Genesis, it says in Psalm 119, I think it's 169, thy word is true from the beginning. That's verse 1. The Bible is true, and that, that realistic demonstration or explanation, the history of what happened, that helps us to understand what's going on right now. See, the simple fact is that we're all going to die of something. It's either going to be of corona or it's going to be of something else unless the Lord returns and we believers are taken out. Unless that happens, all of us are going to die. And we have a worldview that explains that. It's because of sin. This, this corona. It's here because of sin, whether it was man-made in a lab in Wuhan or if it came out of the wet markets from people eating bats. Whatever it is, that's a result of sin. It's a result of sin. It comes into the world and people die. See, we have a worldview that explains that. We also have a worldview that's hopeful. You see, let's say that there, and of course we know, we know that in Revelation chapter 6, that there's pestilence that comes into the world during the tribulation period. And through, whether it's sword or wild beasts or pestilence or, or famine, that half the world's population dies. That's going to happen. That is going to happen. But let's say that you are a complete uh, a pagan, that you have no faith in God, you have no faith in, in what God has said. Well, then what you have to understand is that there is going to come, what is it, the fourth extinction, whatever they call it. There is coming a time on their worldview where everything's going to end, everything's going to die. Whether it's global warming or global cooling or, or pestilence or some kind of a disease or a meteor hitting the earth that's so big that it knocks us off our axis and life can no longer be sustained. In their worldview, here's what we are. We're moist robots. There's no reason for us to live. We have no purpose. We are just DNA. We're dancing to our DNA. Everything is determined by that DNA, and we know that ultimately man will probably kill himself. That's the worldview. So you have competing worldviews, competing worldviews, a worldview that explains reality but gives us hope, or a worldview that attempts to explain reality where there ultimately is no hope, there's no purpose, there's no reason. See, right now, while people are cooped up, it's a great time to think about your purpose. What is your purpose? You exist to give God glory. And here's the good news. Giving God glory is good for you. You have a better life. You're happier. Your children behave better. You enjoy your family. You're able to enjoy the things that God brings into your life. That's the worldview. We also have a worldview of hope. And what is that hope? 
that because Jesus Christ died on the cross, which what a dark day that was. Remember, the sun was blotted out. That's how dark a day it was. But then three days later, he rose from the dead. We're going to celebrate that here in a couple of weeks. Jesus Christ, of course, we as believers celebrate it every day, and we worship on Sunday because of that, but there's a special day set aside for that. See, that happened in the past. That's a reality. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose from the dead the third day. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now he's there to make intercession for his saints. And if you will believe that, if you will believe that and ask him to save you, he will save you. And if you have asked him to save you and he has saved you, then our hope is sure. We'll either die and go to heaven, or Jesus will return and we'll go to heaven. Our hope is sure. You see, we have a worldview that addresses this darkness right now. We have a worldview that explains it. We have a worldview that gives us hope in it. We have a worldview that tells us how to live in it. That is, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible tells us that God likes people that walk by faith. That pleases Him. That pleases Him. You see, we have a worldview that explains why this is happening. We have a worldview that explains how we are to behave in this darkness. And we have a worldview that explains what's happening in the future. And what wonderful hope that is. What a wonderful promise we have from the Word of God. Through faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. There's a whole world that we can't see. There's a whole world. There's a whole world that we can't see that's very real. Here's the good news. And we have hope. We have hope. Hope in darkness. Faith in dark times. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? If you're watching this, do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Have you asked Him to be your Savior? Just submit to Him. You know, atheists, um, they just say, I can't believe. I, I just can't believe that. Well, it's a choice that you're making. Look at what it says in verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Listen, faith is a gift from God. He'll give it to you. If you're an atheist out there, you're watching this just by, by some chance of curiosity. You said, I'm going to watch what this crazy preacher is talking about. All you have to do is believe. Well, I don't believe. Well, that's the choice that you're making. Choose to believe and God will open your eyes. I promise you. Like the old preacher said, God greases the skids in the way you're going. If you want to believe, he'll help you. If you want to reject him, he's going to help you. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Psalm 14.1, don't be foolish. There is a God. All the evidence in the world, everything around you reveals that He is. And in your heart, you know that He is. So believe in Him. Just believe in Him. Then those of us who claim to believe in Him, let's have faith. Let's not be down. Don't be discouraged. Have faith in God. Faith in dark times. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this has been such a rambling presentation of, of amazing and immense truths. Father, help us to have faith. Help us to understand you made this world. Sin entered into it and death by sin. And then you sent your son to pay the price for that sin. Amazing. Abel's sacrifice was accepted. And when we accept that sacrifice, we're accepted in the beloved, according to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to have faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I hope that you'll believe. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior right now, ask Him to save you. He will save you. Church, I can't wait to see you all again. It's been fun to talk to some of you on the phone this week. Don't forget to give our church finances. It's an important thing. And uh, I'm trying not to worry about it.
So you all just keep giving. You can give online. You, can, you know all of the ways. We've talked about it many times. Mail those in, and uh, let's have faith in what God is going to do. Can't wait to see you on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. If you have questions for me to answer, send them to the church website, the church email, and I will answer them for you on Wednesday night in our Bible study. I can't wait to see you then. Thanks.